Hello, this is R.J. Deacon reading the Supreme Court of the United States opinion syllabus in South Dakota v. Wayfair. Certiori to the Supreme Court of South Dakota. Argued April 17, 2018. Decided June 21, 2018. South Dakota, like many states, taxes the retail sales of goods and services in the state. Sellers are required to collect and remit the tax to the state, but if they do not, then in-state consumers are responsible for paying a use tax at the same rate. Under National Bellis Hess Incorporated versus Department of Revenue of Illinois and Quill Corp versus North Dakota. South Dakota may not require a business that has no physical presence in the state to collect its sales tax. Consumer compliance rates are notoriously low. However, it is estimated that Bella Hess and Quill cause South Dakota to lose between 48 and $58 million annually. Concerned about the erosion of its sales tax base and corresponding loss of critical funding for state and local services, the South Dakota legislature enacted a law requiring out-of-state sellers to collect and remit sales tax as if the seller had a physical presence in the state. The act covers only sellers that on an annual basis deliver more than $100,000 worth of goods or services into the state or engage in 200 or more separate transactions for the delivery of goods or services into the state. Respondents, top online retailers with no employees or real estate in South Dakota, each met the act's minimum sales or transaction requirement but do not collect the state's sales tax. South Dakota filed suit in state court seeking a declaration of the act's requirements are valid and applicable to respondents and an injunction requiring respondents to register for licenses to collect and remit the sales tax. Respondents sought summary judgment, arguing that the act is unconstitutional. The trial court granted their motion. The state's Supreme Court affirmed on the ground that Quill is controlling precedent. Held. Because the physical presence rule of Quill is unsound and incorrect, Quill Court v. North Dakota and National Bellis are over overruled. An understanding of this court's Commerce Clause principles and their application to state taxes is instructive here. Two primary principles mark the boundaries of states' authority to regulate interstate commerce. State regulations may not discriminate against interstate commerce, and states may not impose undue burdens on interstate commerce. These principles guide the courts in adjudicating challenges to state law under the Commerce Clause. They also animate Commerce Clause precedents addressing the validity of state taxes, which will be sustained so long as they 1. apply to an activity with substantial nexus within the taxing state, 2. are fairly apportioned, 3. do not discriminate against interstate commerce, and 4. are fairly related to the services the state provides. See Complete Auto Transit versus Brady. Before Complete Auto, the court held in Bellis Hess that a seller whose only connection with customers in the state is by common carrier or mail lacked the requisite minimum contacts with the states required by due process clause and the Commerce Clause. 
and that unless the retailer maintained a physical presence in the state, the state lacked the power to require that retailer to collect a local tax. In Quill, the court overruled the due process holding, but not the Commerce Clause holding, grounding the physical presence rule in Complete Auto's requirement that a tax have a substantial nexus with the activity being taxed. The physical presence rule has long been criticized as giving out-of-state sellers an advantage. Each year, it becomes further removed from economic reality and results in significant revenue loss to the states. These critiques underscore that the rule, both as first formulated and as applied today, is an incorrect interpretation of the Commerce Clause. Quill is flawed on its own terms. First, the physical presence rule is not a necessary interpretation of complete auto's nexus requirement. That requirement is closely related, Bellis has, to the due process requirement that there be some definite link, some minimum connection between a state and the person, property, or transaction it seeks to tax. Miller Brothers Corporation versus Maryland. And as Quill itself recognized, a business used business need not have a physical presence in the state to satisfy the demands of due process. When considering whether a state may levy a tax, due process and commerce clause standards, though not identical or courtminious, have significant parallels. The reasons given in Quill for rejecting the physical presence rule for due process purposes apply as well to the question whether physical presence is a requisite for an out-of-state seller's liability to remit sales taxes. Other aspects of the court's doctrine can better and more accurately address potential burdens on interstate commerce whether or not Quill's physical presence rule is satisfied. Second, Quill creates, rather than resolves, market distortions. In effect, it is a judicially created tax shelter for businesses that limit their physical presence in a state but sell their goods and services to the state's consumers, something that has become easier and more prevalent as technology has advanced. The rule also produces an incentive to avoid physical presence in multiple states, affecting development that might be efficient or desirable. Third, Quill imposes the sort of arbitrary, formalistic distinction that the court's modern Commerce Clause precedents disavow in favor of a sensitive case-by-case -case analysis of purposes and effects. West Lynn Creamery Incorporated versus Healy. It treats economically identical actors differently for arbitrary reasons. For example, a business that maintains a few items of inventory in a small warehouse in a state is required to collect and remit tax on all of its sales in the state, while a seller with pervasive internet presence cannot be subject to the same tax for the sales of the same items. When the day-to-day -day functions of marketing and distribution in the modern economy are considered, it becomes evident that Quill's physical presence rule is artificial, not just at its edges but in its entirety. Modern e-commerce does not align analytically with a test that relies on the sort of physical presence defined in Quill. 
and the court should not maintain a rule that ignores substantial virtual connections to the state. The physical presence rule of Bellis, Hess, and Quill is also an extraordinary imposition on the judiciary of state's authority to collect taxes and to perform critical public functions. 41 states, two territories, and the District of Columbia have asked the court to reject Quill's test. Helping respondents' customers evade a lawful tax unfairly shifts an increased share of the taxes to those consumers who buy from competitors with a physical presence in the state. It is essential to public confidence in the tax system that the court avoid creating inequitable exceptions. And it is also essential to the confidence placed in the court's Commerce Clause decisions by giving some online retailers an arbitrary advantage over their competitors who collect state sales tax, Quill's physical presence rule has limited states' ability to seek long-term prosperity and has prevented market participants from competing on an even playing field. Stare decisis can no longer support the court's prohibition of a valid exercise of states' sovereign power. If it becomes apparent that the court's Commerce Clause decisions prohibit states from exercising their lawful sovereign powers, the court should be vigilant in correcting the error. It is inconsistent with this court's proper role to ask Congress to address a false constitutional premise of this court's own creation. The Internet Revolution has made Quill's original error all the more egregious and harmful. The Quill Court did not have before it the present realities of the interstate marketplace where the Internet's prevalence and power have changed the dynamics of the national economy. The expansion of e-commerce has also increased the revenue shortfall faced by states seeking to collect their sales and use taxes, leading to the South Dakota legislature to declare an emergency. The argument, moreover, that the physical presence rule is clear and easy to apply is unsound, as attempts to apply the physical presence rule to online retail sales have proved unworkable. Because the physical presence rule, as defined by Quill, is no longer a clear or easy applicable standard, arguments for reliance based on its clarity are misplaced. Stare decisis may accommodate legitimate reliance interests, United States versus Ross, but a business is in no position to found a constitutional right on the practical opportunities for tax avoidance. Nelson versus Sears Roebuck. Startups and small businesses may benefit from the pr physical presence rule. But here, South Dakota affords small merchants a reasonable degree of protection. Finally, other aspects of the court's Commerce Clause doctrine can protect against any undue burden on interstate commerce. Taking into consideration the small businesses, startups, or others who engage in commerce across state lines, the potential for such issues to arise in some later case cannot justify retaining an artificial, anachronistic rule that deprives the state of vast revenues from major businesses. In the absence of Quill and Bella Hess, the first prong of the complete auto test simply asks whether the tax applies to an activity with a substantial nexus within the taxing state. Here, the nexus is clearly sufficient. 
The act applies only to sellers who engage in a significant quantity of business in the state, and respondents are large national companies that undoubtedly maintain an extensive virtual presence. Any remaining claims regarding the Commerce Clause's application on the absence of Quill and Bellis may be addressed in the first instance on remand. The decision is vacated and remanded. Justice Kennedy delivered the opinion for the court, in which Justices Thomas, Ginsburg, Alito, and Gorsuch joined. Justice Thomas and Gorsuch filed concurring opinions. Chief Justice Roberts filed a dissenting opinion, in which Justices Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan joined. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to join a discussion of this or any of the other Supreme Court decisions, please find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash SCOTUSSLIP. Thank you.